Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, such a blessing to be here. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the Dragers. Um, it takes so much humility and courage to share things like that. And we should be grateful that we have people like that in our church. Uh, because I tell you what, you don't want to be in that place and not have somebody to help you with it. And I believe the Spirit uses people like that to change us. So thank you so much, you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, so, you know, lately what we've been doing, we've been talking about uh, the book of Acts. And today we're not going to, uh, a little bit. But Joel gave me permission to do something else. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so if you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in, in 1 Corinthians for most of this. And, uh, you know, the reason is because while we've been talking about the book of Acts, we've also been doing a class on the Holy Spirit. And I've been doing that uh, downstairs, and it's been really awesome. I'm so grateful for everyone who's been coming out. Um, but I find that the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit, really, they mesh together a lot. Uh, Joel has probably mentioned that we could easily call the book of Acts the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And because he is all throughout the book of Acts. He's the one who makes the decisions, who sends the apostles places, um, who does so many things. And so he's constantly working throughout the books of, book of Acts. But there's a lot of confusion in our world about the Spirit. Uh, I think that's true. People can use the word Spirit, and they kind of just use it to mean whatever they might think it is. And he is not um, to be treated lightly like that. I want to say that. That's been one of the main themes of our class. The Holy Spirit is... He's not someone to just, that just fulfills your whims. Um, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and I think this is really important because if we're going to understand how the Spirit's going to work through us, we have to understand how He usually works. Um, sometimes we can attribute things to the Spirit that are not of the Spirit. Okay, So with that being said, let's bow our heads, let's pray for the, the message, and then we'll get into it. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much just that you have brought us here today that you've given us an awesome opportunity to sing and praise you, to just bow before your throne and just be humble and uh, accept who you are and not to put ourselves above you, Lord. I pray that we can have that humility in our lives, that we can have transformed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we can be a community that changes um, our city and is a light here. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach. Uh, I know that I'm not up to the task on my own. Pray that your spirit helps me, Lord, and guide me in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's, uh, it's pretty simple, okay, this first part. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. Is it up there? Sweet. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Uh, now there are varieties of, of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, 
and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of times in my life where I'm seeking the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'll do is I'll get on my knees and I'll pray about it. And I'll say, God, please have your Spirit show me what to do. I have no idea what to do. What do I do? And that's a great practice, and we should all be doing that. But sometimes, I'll tell you what, guys, sometimes the Spirit seems to only tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, should I go to the basketball game or to the, you know, Friday night Devo? I think probably the basketball game. I told my brother I'd be there, and the Bible says to keep your word, so now I don't know what to do. And it's, like, really confusing, and I'm conflicted, but really, I'm not conflicted at all. I just want to go to the basketball game. And that actually happened one time. I was, I, it wasn't so much going to the game, I was supposed to play. And uh, my brothers, I was 19, and it was a 19-under tournament for the AAU League. And my brother's team was playing, and they needed an extra guy. And I was, like, totally out of shape. Not, I don't even know why they asked me. Because <laughs> in, the, in the preceding four months, I'd gained about 60 pounds. So here I was, humongous and not very good. But they were like, okay, we need somebody, and we're just going to pick this guy. And so they said, well, it's on Friday night, and it's on Saturday morning. And, you know, we're just short a guy for whatever reason. And I said, yeah, I, I would love to do that because I love basketball and I haven't played in a while. And this is a real tournament, and for some reason I'm allowed to play. I don't know why. I already graduated high school. <laughs> but, okay. And so, <laughs> so I said yes, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Like, I don't want to go to Devo. That's lame. I have to play basketball. I told my brother. That's what the Bible says. You've got to be honest. And so, so I prayed about it, and I was like, yep, that's what I'm doing. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, I don't, that seems a little, little, there's something off about this. So I called up David De Los Santos, who leads a church in, uh, actually in, in Melbourne, Australia now. Um, and he's from Minneapolis, so bizarre. I can imagine him surrounded by people with weird accents. Um, <laughs> but I called him up and I said, David, here's the deal. Like, I want to go to this basketball game. And I want to play because I told my brother, I'll come and play. And my brother's counting on me. And the team's counting on me. I'm going to be the hero. You know, I was excited. And he was like, bro, you know what you need to do. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't go. But the next morning, I got to go, and I had this jersey that was way too small. And I was just, like, <laughs> busting out of the seams. It was tough to watch. But I got in the way of a lot of people. It was hard to move, so that was good. Um, so I still got to do both things, actually. But I knew, I knew there was something off about how I prayed, and then all of a sudden, God just confirmed what I wanted. Uh, that's, that's, kind of, that's not quite how it works. You know? I mean, like, look at what he says here. He says... In chapter 12, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Uh, you know, a lot of times, I've, I've thought about this verse in John 4, 1, which says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And, you know, and I find myself taking this step to pray and to try to be humble, but confirming what I already wanted in the first place. It's, it's very consistent. It happens a lot. And so how do we discern? How do we test the spirits? How do we know if they're from God? Well, before we get into that, I really want to play this video. Um, I don't know if they still have it. You got the video? Let's go. Okay, this is ridiculous. But has anyone ever seen, don't play it yet, um, Shia LaBeouf, that just do it thing? Just this, yeah, okay. Now, pause it. One second. What's, what's the volume? Is it working? Okay, we're going to need volume too. Um, but, so has anyone also ever seen Star Wars, the third one? Revenge of the Sith? Who said that? <laughs> David would say that. Um, 
So that's my favorite Star Wars movie. A lot of people like, kind of like the, the older ones, and I think their special effects are lame and they're not that cool. <laughs> but they set up a good story, and the good story is in Revenge of the Sith, which is number three. And in, and in Revenge of the Sith, you have this guy, Anakin Skywalker, who the prophecy says is the chosen one, okay? He's going to restore balance to the Force and all these things. So first of all, he's got prophecy on his side. Secondly, um, he's got this guy, Chancellor Palpatine. And Chancellor Palpatine is like the leader of the entire Galactic Republic, which is pretty... I wish I was in charge of the whole galaxy. But here he is. <laughs> And he's just in charge of everything. And he seems like such a good guy. Like, he's always listening to Anakin. Like, oh, Anakin, I know how you feel. I'm sorry that they're not giving you, you know, all the things that you want. And that's the Jedi Council. They weren't giving him what he wanted. Okay, this is a bizarre story. Anyways, <laughs> so he wasn't getting what he wanted. And so he would go to Chancellor Palpatine. Hey, Palpatine, you know, what about this? And he's like, yeah, you're right. They're a bunch of whatevers. And they're not helping you out and all these things. They don't believe in you. They're lying to you. And really, all along, it was him that was lying to Anakin. Because he was trying to commit, because Chancellor Palpatine is secretly the emperor, which is just disgusting. <laughs> because he's like so evil, but he seems like such a good guy. And there's this turning point where Anakin basically defeats Count Dooku. Uh, I was not expecting to talk about Star Wars this much. And, <laughs> and he defeats Count Dooku, who's like really powerful, because he uses the dark side of the force, which is legit. And, and Count Dooku's sitting there, and Anakin's considering whether or not to kill him. Because Jedi don't just kill unarmed prisoners. Um, but the emperor, okay, this is, okay, now watch, okay, now picture that with Shia LaBeouf, okay? Hopefully this works. Am I in the way? I'm going to get out of the way. Do it. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yes, you can. Just do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, I, that wasn't going to be in the sermon, but this morning I saw it, and I was like, it's going in. <laughs> and so, so the, the chancellor is sitting there, and Anakin's like ready to kill this guy, and he just goes, do it. And Anakin does. He like listens to him for some reason, and cuts the dude's head off. It's horrible. And that's when Anakin starts to go down the dark side, right? He starts to become evil. And he eventually justifies slaughtering like a bunch of innocent children, because he kept listening to this guy. And so sometimes it can seem like like, what we want is the right thing. Uh, what we want is good. And we, and we pray about it, and, and we hear this answer, right? Sometimes you're, you're praying, and you feel like, yes, that's what I need to do. But you shouldn't just automatically do it. And I'll tell you why, okay? Um, I had a friend. I was talking to him about this, and I said, I was like, dude, so, you know, you know confirmation bias, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so... So confirmation bias is like, I was praying, okay, I want to move to Santa Barbara because it just so happens that Santa Barbara has an open campus ministry position and my girlfriend lives closer to there than Eau Claire. So let's, let's pray about that. And I kept thinking like, yeah, I'd rather go to Santa Barbara. <laughs> I would much rather go to Santa Barbara because it's closer to Ivy. That's how I felt. And it, ultimately, like, it's a campus ministry deal. It's not like it's drastically different. And so I'd pray about it. And that's honestly how I felt. I didn't tell too many people this because... I just didn't want to. But here I was praying these things, and 
And I realized there's this thing called confirmation bias. It works very simply. When you want an answer, a certain answer, you'll find it somewhere. When, like, my friend was saying how one time he was praying, and he prayed and he asked, hey, I want to move to New York City. Should I move there? And right as he said that, this just truck pulled up with the big words, yes, right the side. And, and he was like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> like, what, what does the truck have to do with God, right? But sometimes we can, we can do these things. And so the very simple point is the Spirit does what he wants, not what we want. The Spirit sends us where he wants us to go, not where we want to go. And we have to be very careful. And I'll talk more later about, okay, how do we, how do we vet this, right? How do we know, okay, what's a good decision? What's in line with the Spirit? But the first thing we need to know is how the Spirit usually works. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, um, if you're in verse 12, okay, we've got a lot of verses that we could read here. But first I want to say this, okay, why, why does the book of 1 Corinthians exist? Um, what is, we call it the occasion of the epistle. Why did Paul write a letter to the Corinthian church? And, you know, and we usually figure that out by looking at clues within the text, okay? Paul has certain things to say, and he, he'll preface it sometimes. Like right in the beginning here, he said, um, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he wrote, in part, to talk about spiritual gifts. Um, and a lot of people believe that this is because, because in different parts in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, basically, when you wrote me, this is what I thought, and here's how I'm responding. So they wrote him a letter and said, hey, we have a bunch of questions. Can you respond? And he responds with all these things. But the main reason that Paul wrote this is not because they had some letter and they were concerned about the spiritual gifts or whatever other questions they had. He wrote it because they had divisions in the church. They had divisions based on things like the spiritual gifts. People were saying, well, I speak in tongues. Who are you to talk to me? Well, I can prophesy. Who are you to talk to me? Well, I follow Paul and I follow Jesus. So oh, I follow Jesus. I'm better than you. Right? So they had all this fighting, constant conflict. And so Paul wants to clarify with that in mind, okay, what is the point of the spiritual gifts? And the first thing he says is, you don't get the spiritual gifts because you're so special. Okay? I am not, I've, I've never, I wasn't always good at public speaking, but I'm okay at it. Okay? I'm not bad. And I remember in eighth grade, my first time public speaking, I was so nervous, I kept going like this. And then like, and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, uh, I don't know. I just kept turning around. I wasn't so good at it. I've gotten better. And I believe that God has made me better, okay? Um, but I kept doing this, and there's a temptation to get prideful about it. There's a temptation to be prideful about many things. Uh, probably the most blatant example I, I can think of uh, as I was reflecting is I was at a huge conference in New York City uh, called ICMC, and it was a blast. It was really awesome, although I didn't like New York very much. It's really crowded. There was like 4 million extra people there on top of the normal people just for the 4th of July. It was horrific. But um, so we're sitting there, we're listening to this guy named Sean Wooten. And Sean Wooten's like an awesome dude. I mean, he is filled with the Spirit of God. And he moved to Russia and dealt with all that stuff. I don't even know what goes on in Russia. It's crazy. He moved to Russia to preach the gospel, to lead a church there, to do all these amazing things. And he was doing this awesome sermon. And like 99% of it, I was like, that is just on point. And then right at the end, he made a comment. And I was like, that is theologically unsound. And I started to get super prideful about it. Like, well, Sean Moon's an idiot. Why would he even dare to say that to me? And, and it was. Honestly, it was theologically unsound. But my pride made that more important than the vast majority of what he had to say. Like, like, honestly, it was embarrassing. And I remember texting Michael Burns. You guys know who that is, the teacher in Minneapolis. I said, Michael, Sean just said this. 
and it's so stupid. And Michael was like, well, it just means there's more work to do. And I was like, okay. That's a much better response than, you're an idiot. And, I, like, and Sean Wooten is much smarter than me. And he probably knows the Bible much better than me. He just happened to have one thing that was a little off. And I use that as a platform to become divisive and prideful and arrogant. And so that's what's going on in Corinth. You have these people who, they have one thing over someone else. And they're using that as some of a club. Like, I'm better than you. And so that's why in verse 12 he says, he wants to remind them of why the Spirit does what it does. What does it use these gifts for? He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Okay, a little side note right here. There's some people who speak about a second baptism. Okay, you have your initial, whatever, you have a baptism, you're saved, and then you have the baptism in the Spirit. Okay, it's very clear right here that Paul says we were all baptized into one body. Now, these same people who say there's a second baptism, a lot of times they'll follow that up by saying, therefore, you must speak in tongues, because um, baptism in the Spirit is always accompanied by speaking in tongues. Um, and that is just not true. Um, it is just, it's right here, and the Bible says in other places, Ephesians chapter 4, there's one baptism. Uh, so there's no separation. You know, sometimes we create this separation that doesn't exist. And there's a lot of confusion about that. And I, I don't know, I've never experienced this, but I've heard of many, many stories of people who were a part of churches that taught that, and people would use that as a club to be like, you're not spiritual enough. You don't speak in tongues. And people get stressed. They feel like so overwhelmed because they can't do it. <laughs> and the reality is that's probably a good thing. Um, so that's a side note. But anyway, so in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Okay, so some of us have different roles. You know, like in the campus, I guess you could call me the, the campus minister, okay? So that's my role, and that's something that I do, and that includes other roles within it. Um, I'm also Ivy's fiance. Nobody else is, thank God. And, <laughs> and that's my role. And I have no right to be arrogant about whatever role that I play. And none of the roles are better than any other role. None of the gifts, be it public speaking or, I don't know, you're really good at organizing stuff, which I'm not, uh, so please help. Um, there's no reason to be arrogant about those things because God arranged the body as he chose, not as you chose. You have no say in that. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we can think like, uh, like I've thought to myself, like, man, the church is going to fire me. And it's like, well, if the church fires me, that's probably because God fired me. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I should be happy about that. Oh, I'm glad God made his choice. <laughs> uh, you know, or, and, and that's, that's a whole other issue. But the point is, God chooses the gifts that we have and the roles that we play. And, of course, there's some level within the church where people are, hey, do you want to do this role? And you're like, yeah, I want to do that. So we participate willingly, but it's God who does that. And the spirit is not a spirit of disorder and dysfunction and disunity. Uh, very rarely, I believe this, very rarely is the spirit going to lead you to do something that causes division in the church. Okay, maybe, maybe you found some theological issue that you need to take a stand on. Maybe that's true. Okay. Well, first of all, have you talked to somebody about that? Maybe you're just in your own head and you're wrong. <laughs> Secondly, 
there's still not a reason to get prideful about it. You know, like I said, like, I discovered, for example, uh, with this Sean Wooten thing, something about, and I was 19 years old, okay, Sean Wooten's like 50, okay, he's much, anyways, and I discovered this truth about the Bible that is absolutely true. I think I could prove it to you right now, but Sean Wooten had it wrong. Does that mean that I'm any better than Sean Wooten? Of course not. As a matter of fact, I should probably view myself as a little bit subject to his authority. He was the one preaching, after all. <laughs> I was sitting in the crowd being critical. And that's not because I'm afraid you guys are going to be pr- critical. But here I was, thinking all these thoughts and thinking like, man, I have the gift of knowledge. I'm so much smarter than all of you. Oh, well, you know what Paul has to say to that? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Okay, so you have some knowledge. Use that to build up the church. Don't use it to cause divisions. Don't use it to, well, I guess we got to start a new church. Unless that's absolutely necessary, very rarely is the Spirit going to lead you to that. Um, And so the Spirit tends towards order and towards unity. Okay, let's keep reading. I actually can't remember exactly where I... Okay, verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Um, And he keeps going. The eye cannot say, the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. There are some, some roles in the church that, frankly, we just don't tend to elevate as much. You know, I think in the past, I used to view leaders like, uh, like David De Los Santos or Keith Moody Opp or some of these guys that were my campus leaders as like better than everyone else. And sure, I should respect those guys. I should honor them. But they weren't better. And the Bible actually says those parts that seem weaker are indispensable. Okay, so if you're struggling with somebody who is just, you're like, man, they're just weak. Okay, they're indispensable to this body. You do not have a right to just cut them off. Right, that's what happened um, some years back. That, uh, Joel mentioned that. The Minneapolis church cut off about, or no, maybe this wasn't Joel. This is my mother. She said they cut off about a third of the membership in like a week. <laughs> you're gone. See ya. You're, you're too weak for us. <laughs> and that was not good. It was bad thinking and not spiritual, and it wasn't from the spirit of God. Okay, they were listening to some wrong spirits. Um, okay, so it says, in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So right here, Paul basically says, listen, God has given these different gifts, and not everybody has all of them, and that's okay. You know, how many times have you thought, man, I wish I had that gift? Wouldn't my life be so much better (laughs) if I was really good at administrating? I've definitely thought that. I do not have the gift of administrating, and so I'm sitting around like, man, I don't know how to organize anything, and then they ask me to do it, and I'm like, well, wouldn't my life be so much better if I had the gift of administrating? No, it wouldn't. You want to know why? Because it teaches you that you need other people. And so it teaches me how to ask for help. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. Uh, Joel, can you help me? <laughs> or actually, Tyler and Sadie have been super helpful with stuff like that. Tyler, can you help me? I don't know what, 
I don't know what I'm thinking here. And it teaches me to be humble. Um, and then the, the other one I want to point out, he says, do all speak with tongues? The implied answer is obviously no. So if you're thinking, you need to speak in tongues to have the spirit, I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. And that is not a helpful teaching. <laughs> because we're all baptized into one spirit, but we don't all speak tongues. So there's something wrong with that way of thinking. And again, like I said, the spirit brings people to unity. Um, you know, my question for you guys is, what excuse have you been making to avoid playing your role? A lot of times, what we'll do then is take a passage like this and say, well, my gift is not evangelism, so I'm not going to evangelize. <laughs> well, what if I said my gift is not to administrate, so I will never administrate anything? Like, that would just not be helpful. <laughs> like, why are you being like that? Usually it's because we're afraid. We don't want to be pushed. We don't want to stretch ourselves. I couldn't tell you how many times I've said, well... That's not my gift. I'm not very good at that. Can you have someone else do it? And not in a humble way, in a private way. Like, I just don't want to help. So what excuse have you been making to avoid playing your role? You know, no sense of having certain roles excuses us from the basic duties of being a disciple. Okay, well, my gift is not teaching, so I don't need to study the Bible that much. What? <laughs> How do you think they became teachers? They didn't start out like, I'm just so good at teaching. Let me teach you the whole Bible right now. They had to read it. They had to learn. Uh, that's how teachers become good at what they do. And is this way of thinking from the Spirit or from yourself? You know, sometimes we can be like, well, I prayed about it, and the Spirit said, I don't need to evangelize. Well, the Spirit never says that, so you're wrong. <laughs> uh, he doesn't say that, so where are you getting that thought from? And are you prideful about the gifts that God has given you? You know, maybe you're thinking, like, wow, I actually have a lot of talents. Well, that doesn't matter. Okay, God is the one who has all the talents, and he just gave you a couple. Okay, so Paul says, I will show you a still more excellent way. In, verse, in chapter 13, this is a lot of times, this is considered the most magisterial work on love ever written. Uh, the Bible is amazing. And, if, and when people try to tell me it's not, I'm like, why don't you read that and tell me you found that in some other book? Because you won't. It's incredible. Okay, chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a claiming cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy, does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So the first thing he says is, listen, you guys, I don't care how many spiritual gifts you have. If you don't have love, it is the most pointless thing I've ever seen in my life. It's literally some dude just standing up there smacking a gong all day. Like, how annoying would that be? I have so many gifts. Listen to me. Nobody cares. Okay, have some love. <laughs> Seriously. And that was me, okay? Uh, now, I'm not saying I have tons of gifts, but what I'm saying is I had some gifts and very little love. And I would, I would correct people like, you know what? I, you know, I'm kind of like Carter Peed. Carter's a great kid, okay? Awesome guy. He loves to correct people. <laughs> I love to correct people more. And so I'd be like, Carter, let me correct your correction, okay? Said, Don't even go there, Carter. And Carter's like, what? Why? <laughs> 
That's how you, I love when he says it. He's like, no. <laughs> and so Carter and I get along great. But I'll, I'll just correct him, like, immediately, reflexively. And yet I'm trying to teach him to not do that to people. <laughs> so it's, I don't know what Joel was thinking when he paired us up. Um, but it's got, I've gotten a lot better at that because I've realized that's not always very loving. Sometimes people need to hear the truth and they need to be corrected. Sometimes they need to be shown some patience and understanding. Uh, that's why it says love is patient. That's the first thing he says. You want to know? Love is patient. If you're wondering what it is, it's patient. And that was not me. You know, I always seemed patient because I could do this thing where I didn't say anything, but I was just burning inside. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to lay into you right now. You just took my last croissant. What's that about? And I would just lose it in my head. But most people didn't know that, right? I would just get so mad. And, but I wasn't actually patient. I was just holding my tongue. But deep down, I was furious. And sometimes that would actually come out, and you'd see what I was really like. One time, my brother wouldn't let me sit on the bed, and he was pushing me off. And I got so mad. And I was, I don't know, 15, 16. I just went off, and I just started pummeling him. And literally, I was crying from anger. And I was just beating my brother. My brother's a big dude. I was just beating him down. And my mom walks in like, what is going on? And I was like, he wouldn't let me sit on the bed. It was ridiculous. Complete lack of love. Okay, I had the gift of pummeling people. <laughs> Complete lack of love. And it's just not helpful. You know, this, this idea that I am so good at this, therefore I'm better than you, is not, does not build up God's church, and therefore the Holy Spirit has no part in that. And so we need to know how the Holy Spirit tends to work. Um, you know, all these, all these things, these descriptions that he gives of love, love is patient, love is kind, these are all verbs in the Greek. We read them as nouns, they're verbs. It's about action, it's about doing. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of, of passivity, okay? He doesn't spend most of his time just sitting around. Matter of fact, the word for spirit is wind. You know what the wind does? It moves. <laughs> it's going places, okay? This is the same with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be one with him in that. We need to be people of action, okay? Now, certainly, there's a time to wait, to think it through, but we shouldn't be passive, okay? Passive is just as bad as being overly aggressive, okay? We should be... Persistent, I would say. Not pushy, not passive, but persistent. Because the Holy Spirit is persistent in trying to convert people, convict them of their sin, do all these things. He never gives up. Um, let me take a look at my notes. So the other thing the Spirit is, is he's, just, he's a spirit of love. And, and that means that anything that leads you to hate is not of the Spirit. Unless it's hating evil. Okay, that's your only chance. And that's what it says in Romans chapter 13. We should hate what is evil, cling to what is good, okay? So it's okay to hate evil things. But it's still not okay to hate people because people, people were made in the image of God, okay? They are beautiful. Um, not me, I'm not so beautiful. But, okay, verse 8, let's keep reading. Love never ends, or love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when he became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. Um, you know, he lists all these gifts, and he says, listen, they're going to end. Prophecy will cease. 
Prophecy will no longer be a thing at some point. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you I know exactly when that happened. But the last time someone gave me a prophecy, it was so vague, it didn't mean anything. This guy came up to me, I was reaching out, and he said, he said, I have a prophecy for you, because I shared my faith with him. He said, I have a prophecy for you. He put his hands on me, and he said, I see a glass box exploding. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> very encouraging. And it was just not very helpful. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like a real prophecy to me. Prophecy will pass away. Tongues will cease. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a man, or when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Okay? People who emphasize the outward appearance more than the inner transformation, they're, they're speaking like children. They're acting like children. Because children, actually sometimes children are more discerning than us, I will say that. But a lot of times children, they, they look at the outward appearance and they say, well, he doesn't seem threatening, he must not be dangerous. Well, that's not true. Uh, you don't know that. And so we don't want to be childish. We want to be filled up with love because that's the way of an adult, okay? If you're acting like a child, you need to stop. Um, I do it a lot. Tell me to stop when I'm doing it. But you see, this is, this is about what is more important, okay? Are we going to be so obsessed with the spiritual gifts that God gives that we don't even try to love people? You know, I've seen or I've read... Okay, I haven't seen. Um, I've read many examples of churches that they got so obsessed with the spiritual gifts and like, do we have prophets among us? And do we have people who can speak in tongues and all these things that they just stop reaching out? They don't even go and share because the, they're, too, they're too obsessed. They're so inward focused. And that's not what God wants at all. Okay, let's keep reading. Chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, so it's not bad to want these gifts. But it is bad if you desire them more than you desire love. Okay, he says, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Okay, sometimes people use that verse to say, like, okay, so clearly, when I speak in tongues, you're not going to understand it. Um, that's not really what he's talking about, okay? And we'll see that when we keep reading. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So now he says, listen, okay, I want to compare these two gifts for you, the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And prophecy isn't necessarily about telling the future, okay, but it's about speaking the word of God. And the gift of tongues was, contrary to common understanding, was not weird babblings that don't make any sense, okay? Matter of fact, this whole idea of speaking like a child, that's actually what children do. They babble, and they, they use real syllables. Like when, when a child who is in English, around English speakers babbles, they actually use English syllables. And so you kind of understand that, but it's not a real language. Okay, so he says, listen, let's not be like children. Let's be adults. And he compares these two, and he says, prophecy is greater because it builds up the church. Um, and again, if we keep reading, and the class afterwards is going to be more about these, like what is tongues, what is all these things. So I'm not going to get super into that. But if you keep reading, you'll get an understanding that he's not talking about, I, th I don't think he's talking about what a lot of people attribute to being speaking in tongues today. Um, it's called glossolalia, which is, like, which is literally like speaking in tongues. But we get the language confused to mean like that's just random babbling because we don't really use tongues to mean language anymore in English. But in Greek, that's what it means. It means a language. 
The same in French. If you say the tongue of a cat, you could be easily saying the language of a cat. It's the exact same word. Okay, so it's not like, it's not like there, there's some confusion here. Paul knows exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, what you guys are doing is not really helpful. <laughs> it's not building up the church. But, okay, enough about that. Okay, so here's how the Spirit tends to work. He works towards unity. Okay? He works towards unity and harmony in his people. And he's more concerned about the group than he is about you. Okay, and that doesn't mean he doesn't care about you a lot. But if you're going to decide, I'm going to fight against the group, I'm going to be divisive in his church, he will remove you at some point if you don't repent. I believe that. I believe I've been close to that point before. <laughs> where I was causing so many problems that I was pretty close to being removed. Not because he doesn't care about me. Actually, that would have been for my good. But because he cares more about the health of the group than he does about me. And some of you, that might be a challenging thought. Because we're taught in our society to think about me first. Well, God loves me. Well, he does. But he loves his people maybe a little bit more. You know? And I say that because if someone attacks your whole family, like let's say you had your family and one of your kids starts just destroying the family, it's not, I guess love is not the right word, but it's more so that he chooses the priority of the family over your priority and what is needed for the family more than what you feel like you want or need. Um, so he tends towards unity, he tends towards love. Okay, he doesn't build us up to be hateful or selfish or prideful. And, um, and lastly, that um, we need to test the spirits. Okay, so how do we do that? Okay, so this is the normal process that I would go through. It's not like this is step by step, but this is what I would do. I would probably pray about it, okay? Just like I said, you pray about it, you ask God, okay, what should I do? Secondly, I would think about, okay, what do I know in the Word of God that speaks about this issue? Okay, if I'm thinking like, I need to move to XYZ place, okay, well, what do I know about the Word of God about what my priority should be in thinking about that decision? And then lastly, I'd seek counsel. Hey, what do you guys think? Okay, the Bible speaks over and over about seeking advice. And when we do that, we test the spirits to see whether they're from God or from Satan. Because Satan, he has a lot of power. Satan, I believe Satan could interject a thought into your head, and you wouldn't even know it. I don't know, that's my opinion, but I believe that. There's been times where I've had thoughts, and I'm like, that doesn't even seem like it's from me. It's so weird. Like, what was I thinking? And I'm just in my own head. But when you air it out, there's this weird thing that happens where you start, things start to become more clear. When you bring it to, like yesterday, I had a bunch of questions. We had a MDT class, and I just had all these questions, and I was getting weird in my head about the answers. So I just said, hey, Joel, what do you think about this? And everybody answered, and all of a sudden, I had so much more clarity. And so the Spirit leads us to pray. First, James chapter 1, it tells us that if we pray and seek wisdom from God, he will answer. But that doesn't mean, okay, I've had people use that to try to convert me to be a Mormon. But see, so if you pray and you have a good feeling, you should do what we say. <laughs> And I'm like, well, yeah, but uh, what about all these verses that say I shouldn't do what you say? All right? What a, I'm confused. And they'd be like, well, you should just do it. Just pray. And I would. I would pray. I'd say, okay, I'll give you a shot. And I'd pray. And then I would say, okay, but what about all these verses? I'm confused. <laughs> and they were like, well, don't worry about that. Just pray. And I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and it just kept happening. Because, because prayer, a lot of times, we can just confirm what we already wanted if we're not careful. Um, and then we go to the Word. And then we seek counsel, and then we decide, okay? Then make a decision. The Spirit doesn't just sit around, take six years to make decisions. He's pretty quick, okay? Let's do our best to be decisive people. And I say that because I have been very indecisive in my life. Uh, there was a time where I just knew, like, I should go to the University of Minnesota. The advice was there. The good thinking from the Word of God was there. And here I was sitting there like, I don't know. I'll pray about it some more. I don't really want to go there. 
but I should. I'm just gonna pray about it more. I'll let you know in like six months, bro. No problem. And everybody's like, hey, what are you gonna do, Grayson? I don't know. And I decided like July, like two months before the semester, which put me in a bad spot in terms of like registering for classes and all these things. And so it was just pointless. Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of people make a lot of ado about the spirit. You know, they talk a lot about him. They, uh, sometimes they talk of little else. And this ends up a lot of times just being simple emotionalism. Like, I want to feel good. How can I feel better? I'll use the spirit to do that for me. And the spirit isn't subject to our emotions. He does what he pleases. He does it to build up the church. And he does it for the good of everyone. Okay? And that's all I got. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me speak. And uh, come to the class afterwards, because if you have more questions, I'm sure there's probably some questions that were raised. It would be a good opportunity to ask those. Amen.